Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Hi, I'm Kim Salmon. I'd like to have a quick word about uh, public radio, particularly 3CR. The thing about public radio is that it's more open than the more formatted types of radio to what's going on around it. So when you listen to it, you're more likely to hear a reflection of real life. And 3CR being in the heart of Smith Street, Collingwood, is a particularly good example of what I'm talking about. If you'd like to uh, subscribe, the number is 94198377. You've been listening. A bicycle is a bit like a guitar, and they they are both inert objects that can only come alive and flourish when put into contact with a human being. Both have the ability to concentrate the mind. Just as when you are performing, you tend to lose yourself when you are on a bike. For those precious hours that you are in the saddle, nothing else matters except the bike and the road ahead. And welcome aboard the Yarrabug Radio Show here at 3CR Radical Radio. Many thanks to Amy Goodman and Democracy Now! I think there's a place that I'd rather not be at the moment. We can only watch um, America in amazement. We'll be bringing you a show about all things bicycles in Melbourne. And as you probably, if you've stuck your head out the door this morning, you'll find that it's a typical beautiful Melbourne day. One of those days Melbourne does very good. Not much rain, very low cloud, continual drizzle and it's quite cold. Faith is tucking her hands back in under a jumper as we speak. Good morning Faith. Good morning Val. <laughs> yeah, trust I'm a little bit rusty I'm going to say. It's been a while I haven't been here. For you to turn that mic on. Yes. <laughs> there we go. Uh, listen, that quote comes from um, San- Spandau Ballet's Gary King, uh, Gary Kemp, I should say, who's obviously a bit of a bike rider and obviously a good guitarist as well. Drawing that uh, similarity between an inert object doesn't come alive till you actually touch it. Um, we've got a bit on the show. We'll be talking about O bikes, O bikes, O bikes. Um, and we're talking about the roads, and we've got a few news and events coming up, and a couple of things that have happened in the week, or the last two weeks. Now, bicycle moments, bicycle moments, bicycle moments. We missed um, last week's show, and I haven't had a chance to talk um, about Matt McCulloch, who was on the radio show, as Chris um, mentioned the other week. I just want to... um, 
retell one of the stories that uh, when Matt was first starting to get together bicycles for humanity and particularly the um, the first shipment um, of bikes to go to Africa and he popped in the human powered and <laughs> this, is, this doesn't reflect well on one person, but I'm going to go forward with it anyway. Anyway, obviously, um, from the discussion we'd had with Matt, only 26-inch bikes were going to go to um, to Africa. And when um, somebody found out about this, he made great pleas to actually grab every other bike that everybody had donated that wasn't a 26-inch wheel bike, which is a little bit low. But anyway, I remember that fondly, actually, and uh, I think we pumped a couple of boxes of tyres, tubes that went on the first trip. Be sadly missed, um, David... who I work with at Second Chance Cycles, was at the service the other day and he said it was very well attended and some great speeches marking Matt's contribution to the bicycle world here in Melbourne. It was a very significant contribution too. It was, and not, you know, from many things ongoing, not fleeting in and out, but they're dedicated. And sometimes I think we imagine people like that to be get-up-and-go-getters and... type A personalities and go, 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 whereas Matt didn't strike me as that. No, Matt was a a combination of um, someone who can actually make things happen, but at the same time a very reflective and thoughtful person. And I think that's when you're involved with him on these projects or others. Um, I know working with the squeaky wheel, we were often... uh, um, down at the Good Cycles offices where Matt worked and through Treadley worked with him on a few other things and, yeah, was I think one of the most caring people in the Melbourne bicycle community and will be very sorely missed. It will. Now, Faith, you returned from over the waves. you got a bike moment to share with us? Or? I do. I do. Uh, yeah, probably a couple, but I... Uh, you know, I go over to Japan to ride bikes once a year and um, always to the same area, Rankoshi and Nisiko up on Hokkaido. And um, each time you're sort of hoping to find a new awesome little route or that little shortcut that gets you the better route to get over to there and something like that. So I was trying that again this time and um, had... A couple of bicycle moments, the the first one I'd mapped out and it didn't look too bad but turned out quite pleasant but a bit more of a a, a mixture of um, gravel and hills, a bit more than it had looked like it would on my combination of Google Maps and Strava. You bit off more than you could chew. Uh, it, was, it wasn't that. It was more that I took someone who was on her rest day. I didn't <laughs> And... It didn't turn out to be, to be so, happy. so restful. But um, there was another little route I'd been planning to investigate and we did that and that turned out to be just the perfect little route, avoiding the main highways, avoiding the massive dip down to the river and all the way back up to end up back down at the river. It just skips across a few rolling hills on yeah. a couple of quiet roads with amazing views over the whole valley, and that's yeah. uh, that was a pretty peachy find. Has the landscape still got that foreign look for you? You haven't become... Yeah. It has. Uh, it's so tropical. 
Yeah. It has that that intense green tropicalness that you don't see anywhere here in Victoria. But and I, I suspect mainly because when you do go there it's always the opposite season. Yeah. So you go there in the middle of winter from a grey sort of bare like looking looking Melbourne and uh there's just this incredible lush tropical greenery. And honestly, insects the size of – everything is so big because the growing season is very short, but yep. it's daylight starts at 4 a.m. It's very concentrated. Um, so bumblebees that hover in the middle of the road and you think, oh, I've got sunglasses and a helmet on. I don't have to try and avoid that as I hurtle down this hill. And honestly, as you get closer, you realise they're, they're just – they're a good two inches and they're fat and they're just almost knocking you off your bike. There you go, full of pollen, I presume. <laughs> <sighs> no, a very uh, changing quickly, though. But anyway, that's... Uh... Anyway, we'll be back after this quick break with a bit of ideas about what's going on with those lovely bikes that are hanging around Melbourne. Should we just move on to O-bikes? We should say. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, more than well, actually. So how long have O-bikes been around now? It must be a month or two, a couple of months? I would think six weeks at the moment. Yeah. Um, yep. Maybe maybe a little bit less. And as... for anyone who's managed not to stumble across one, O-bikes are a bike-sharing uh, scheme, which with a difference, it's dockless. So – the bike can be parked anywhere. It has a kickstand. You can park it. You have an app. You find a bike on the app and you unlock it via the app and you can ride it to your destination and leave it there because the next person looking for it will find it. So a lot of the limitations with the blue bikes was that they were in very yeah, a very go. small number of locations. I mean, having been in New York and seen where they're – over around every corner, you'd trip over a dock. Yeah. Um, in Melbourne, it was definitely a case of you had to ride the blue bike to the next dock and then walk to your destination yeah. because it wasn't going to coincide. And, and the, the walk home would probably be anyway. Yeah. yeah, and you couldn't get into the suburbs at all until very recently when the city of Yarra installed some. So the O-bikes overcome those issues, um, but they have brought up a few more. They have, actually. It's, it's There's a... I must admit, when the when I first when they first popped up, I thought, "Oh, this is, you know, crazy." The best idea, I mean, crazy in that they're trusting people to actually start using those bikes. I should, in that way, that and I've actually been proved a little bit correct in that. Um, and obviously, I've seen a few people riding them now. And I said to somebody the other day, "Look, in six months' time, and this was a wild success." you'd say that the first couple of months were just a teething problem and that it just wasn't ticking along. Then you get up against the idea that, actually, as a company, I can just put all these things everywhere. It's interesting to watch. I think um, I don't think it's taking off very well here, but it's it's very early days. Mm. The same idea, one of the O-Bike is in London and I think there's a different... Um, I think they're called Mobikes in Manchester. Both of them appear to be going backwards at a rate of knots. 
and both of them seem to be suffering the same thing as here is there's I've got this another thing I'm, you're going to have to bear with me a yep. bit what I mean I put all these bikes out on the street then people start sticking them up in trees and throwing them into the river and stuff like that is that what we normally do to things <laughs> <laughs> well, well and, they're doing it in England. And they're doing it here, and I'm just saying. So, and is that the the first reaction? Like, is that I just the know. playfulness of oh, this is and and there's going to be those people who just hate it because whatever it's new. Yeah. It's you know, um, it'd be interesting to know what percentage that's happening to. They, well, you see them; they're well spread. No, they're well spread. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there are three next to the pedestrian crossing at the local girls' high school. So I'm assuming <laughs> that p- people are riding them to school and leaving them there. I think the other thing is I don't think there's um, there's not a GPS in the bikes. No. So the bike gets left. The last recorded effort is where they yep. click off on the yep. phone. Yeah. Anyway, just to get beyond that point, I'm a I've started to rethink that. I'm a little bit disappointed. Not disappointed. I should never be. This idea that we just trash things. Yeah. You know, I'm a little bit, you know, yes, it's funny to stick one up a tree, just it was funny to get the Paris hire bike into a Moroccan skate bowl inside two months. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. But that's, that's all, that's a, I, I, my feeling is that's a tiny yeah, that's minority. A, that's a little bit thing on the side. I, yeah. I think one challenge is the fact that the area where they're going to be most heavily used is the CBD. And so what do you do with that concentration? Yeah. Of bikes, because like you hinted at, you're using public infrastructure, roads and pavements. Yep. Um, and we accommodate taxis, which are private companies using yep. public infrastructure. We we build taxi we build, bays. We build parking spaces yep. for them. Yeah. Um, you know, there's there are we ways do, to we make do it. Demand a license fee off taxi guys. Yeah. But anyway, that's yeah. It. And yeah. and you know, Uber presented some challenges when it first started and. Oh, and Airbnb B. is another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So cities sit down with these guys and come to arrangements that they feel will work. Yeah. That can be um, one. Th- one thing, interesting thing I heard was that 40% of the helmets have been either stolen or lost because each bike has a helmet, a helmet attached helmet to it. it. Yep. And um, the organisers were saying that they're a bit they'd, – I think they'd allowed for – Two or five percent, yeah, and uh, they they were a bit intrigued by that. There were some pretty funky helmets on some of those bikes. I'm, 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 I'm not saying that's a reason to get out there. And, but anyway, look, I followed somebody home on a, yesterday. One on yesterday afternoon. Obviously, somebody has just gone down and do the shopping or something, and I presume riding home. Um, I shouldn't make those presumptions, but quite happily sitting on it. I think that you've hit on the thing is, you know, we all know with here with the helmet laws, just make these schemes so hard to work. Yeah. If and you- yeah, I'd, I'd be interested in seeing because I think there are some. You know, we had the idea that the inner suburbs are well served with bicycle infrastructure and that, but there are some outer suburbs who have good infrastructure. Yep. Um, and it would be interesting to know if there's enough volume of bikes in those areas to get something happening there that hasn't been able to happen yeah. before. Whereas news from New <clears throat> York who started their city bike hire bike, I think in about 2006. So in the first year they probably they had um, um, – uh, 170,000 users over a year of the city bike. 2015, 
450,000. And on a day last year, 70,286 uses in a single day. They've got 600 docking stations. They're everywhere. Yes, they've got a lot of bikes and it's a bigger population. But what you're seeing is actually when people are offered this and with the bicycle infrastructure changing in New York, it goes, it just grows and grows and grows. And they're not wearing a helmet. And that was the other prediction. If these people don't wear helmets, they will be dying on the streets of New York, running with blood, and there have not been... There's not been... There's been there's been two. Mm-hmm. Uh, one at the start of last this year, I think, who was hit by a bus, and I think the other one was a bus as well yep. two years ago. So in all those trips, two people. Yep. Yeah. And uh, the other thing... I know it's because we hear a lot about the cycling infrastructure in New York, which has been great, but riding there, you notice that it's it's still um, very much certain routes. Like for a lot of your getting about, yeah. and this is where you see tourists using these bikes, you are going to be riding down roads that are busier and more aggressive than the ones we have here. Yeah. And yet, you know, it's uh, the scheme's working really well. And it's obviously in the particular routes. I'll put up a link to this. A good article on the explosion of this, yeah. I must say, from that conservative white Brit. Oh, no, I didn't say that. New York Times. <laughs> well, they, they actually do. Cities are important. Yeah. Cities are important here as well and the way we move around cities. Um, we should touch on this. No, we shouldn't before we go to the break. Um, remember when we had Elliot Fishman here a couple of – it's probably six or seven weeks ago. Yeah. That is just slowly ticking along and ticking along and ticking along this idea that we're just going to ram through all these building of roads without anybody noticing. It's quite fascinating to watch. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be back. I can't get this to work, so we're not (laughs) going to be back. Although I can't get Dinsat to work. Anyway. (laughs) We can... uh come up with our own announcements um the other thing we should mention because we we touched on matt mcculloch's death um a couple of weeks ago on very untimely it's it's been a pretty um hard time in the cycling world recently just even Mm. here in victoria we've had uh since then three very untimely deaths um paul simmons who was uh, killed while racing uh, the week before last. Uh, Stephen Woolridge, a great uh, Australian cyclist and Olympian who um, unfortunately passed away last week. And most recently, Gary West, who is a coach, an Amir's coach, coach, amongst others. All very untimely deaths. And I think um, especially with Stephen Woolridge's death, it sort of – reminds us that um, if you need to talk to someone, you should. It can be very overwhelming when a lot of people in your community are um, passing away for different reasons. And so um, I just want to remind everyone that there is that lifeline number, 131114. You can call if you need to talk to someone. And it's probably a really good week to go around and uh, ask your friends and family, are they okay? Give them a hug. 
and uh, look after each other. Take care of each other. Yeah. Do you need mental health support from people who have been there? Wellways Helpline is a free and confidential service providing mental health information, support and referral advice. All our Helpline volunteers are peers, people who have lived experience of mental health issues. If you are experiencing concerns with your mental health and well-being or supporting someone who is, call Helpline on 1300 500 Monday to Friday, 9am till 9pm. If you don't know which way to turn or who to talk to, call us on 1300 500. Wellways Australia is a leading national mental health disability support and community care organisation and a 3CR supporter. Cars, bicycles and the fatal myth of equal reciprocity. Any public conversation about on-road cycling in Australia seems to have only one metaphor for the relationship between drivers and cyclists, equal reciprocity. An utterance like drivers must respect cyclists' space on the roads must inevitably be followed by something like, for their part, cyclists must ride responsibly and obey the road rules. Many, for instance, a campaign promoting new road safety law in New South Wales tells that drivers, bicycle riders and pedestrians all need to go together safely. We should all respect each other's space and ensure that everyone stays safe. Most cyclists hardly need to be reminded to respect the space of a two-ton vehicle travelling at 80 kilometres just centimetres from their elbow. Yet the wording as well as the fines imposed suggests that cyclists have as much power to disrespect driver's space as vice versa. Now, the continual war between cyclists and drivers. It's not a war. Actually, I should rephrase <laughs> that. This is from an article by um, Ashley Carruthers in the uh, conversation on the idea, and obviously from that little bit I read out, if we're starting from a point that we both have equal space on the road and the laws are the same and the fines are the same, how do we count for the figures that tend to show the opposite way? That Say, as the Monash study found out last year, 87% of cycling hospitalisations and fatalities were caused by drivers or the Adelaide um, study from the South Australian Automobile Board, I think it found that four out of five cycling accidents were caused by drivers. It's a good article. I'm going to put a link up to it, but it actually goes to the heart of a couple of the insurance questions, and it really does go to the heart of the imbalance between somebody riding an 11-kilo bike and somebody riding and driving an 1,100-kilo truck. And pedestrians. And pedestrians, pedestrians, which seem to have got lost in all this. Our little bubble of roads and bikes, we've seemed to suggest, uh, seem to forget that actually we kill over 50 pedestrians on the roads in Victoria every year. Yeah. Not much places you can go to from there. But anyway, it's (laughs) worth a read. I'll put the link up. And of course, with all these things, it's followed by 870 comments.
<laughs> all from, you know, next time I see a cyclist run through a red light, I'm going to go crazy. <laughs> Just on this, this before we get into the events, I've been riding the same route to work for five years. I ride home a different way, just in case people think I'm stuck in the mud all the time. And on that um, ride, I cross four pedestrian crossings, just just solely pedestrian crossings. And I've started a note, and I'm actually noting it down in the diary, the number of times that the lights go at the little green man or the little green cyclist, Mm -hmm. and a car still drives through the intersection i'm i'm starting to see it nearly once every two or three weeks and just for people's own idea they are the crossings that cross the capital city trail yeah so think ligon street think nicholson street think uh there's one other that i cross as well i'm beginning to think that i should take no notice of when the sign says that I'm allowed to cross until I'm sure that every car has stopped. And in the case of one, a car stopped in the right-hand lane, people starting to move, but somebody driving through the red light on the inside of the stopped car. Yeah. I'm just For just my own personal safety, I get to those places now. I wait. And I'm going to say it, if there are no cars... I'm not going to trust the green light anyway. So, yeah, no, it's a common thing. And going back to New York, because the cyclists are going through a red light has always been brought up there. Yeah. Um, so they went back through the data and checked. So this is from 2000. Every single workday in New York City, 1.23 million cars go through a red light. Gotcha. They're colorblind, those poor Americans. (laughs) (laughs) Where's Afghanistan again? (laughs) Korea. Okay, we'll quickly get on to some events. There's uh, some fun things coming up this weekend. Coming up, of course, is the huge, mind-blowingly huge, uh, Melbourne Cyclocross Grand Prix. There we are. Out at Fields of Joy in Essendon. It is going to be massive. It's uh, a UCI event we have international riders we have competitors obviously from all around the country two full days and all the details are up at the website melgp.cx you can still register to ride and compete until wednesday the 23rd of june so check out the details at the website and they also need volunteers for Wednesday, Thursday or Friday this week to finish help building the course. There's a whole list of tasks up on the Fields of Joy Cyclocross Facebook page um, and all the contact details are also up on the website. So check that out at melgp.cx. Coming up also there's a whole um, series of bike maintenance courses uh, being held indoors at Batman Park. Um, there's one coming up, I think it's this weekend or the next, and these are generally free or very low cost, but you do have to register. Um, they start from how to fix a flat, but others go to th- through to full services. Who's running this? Um, this is Cycling Freedom. 
So you can find all the details at cyclingfreedom.net and also there they have details of rides they run and other social events all based around bike riding. So uh, that's a new resource, newish resource in the inner north for tapping into. Um, and a little way off yet, but it, this sounds like enormous fun, is Drag Drain Drags on the... 10th of September, this will be held drag racing in drag in the drains. Say good. <laughs> drag racing in drag in some drains. And it's uh, raising money for a really good cause, which is a youth. Um, I just have to check this. Raise, well, profits will go to Y Gender, a peer-led support and advocacy organisation for trans and gender diverse young people. Um, so anyone can take part. It sounds like a hoot. There's going to be food and entertainment and it's $10 entry free. And as we said, that will be going to Y Gender, 10th of September. And if you... Uh, have a search for Drag Drain Drags on Facebook. You'll find the event page and I'll put a link up in the podcast. Sounds like a quintessentially Australian thing. <laughs> yes. Cave Cave Clan meets... Any, uh, I don't know, dress-up event? Dress-up, <laughs> dress-up, dress-up. Um, before we're off, I just, um, one of my friends from a local park who helped a lot with the um, petitions for Burnley Park, people won't remember, had a bad fall in the park the other day and has broken both her wrists, mm. unfortunately. So, Marie, I know you're sitting there in the um, recovery unit. Keep those wrists up. You'll be right in no time. And that is all we have time for today. 3CR relies on the support of its listeners. Uh, Val and I are volunteers, as are all the presenters. But um, if at any time you'd like to make a donation or subscribe to the station, you can do that at 3cr.org.au and help keep 3CR on the air. And coming up next is Jailbreak. Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast.